Welcome to Talk Dizzy to Me, the show that brings you a comprehensive look into the complex field of dizziness. Now here are your hosts, vestibular physical therapist, Dr. Abby Ross and Dr. Danielle Tate. Welcome back everyone to Talk Dizzy to Me. My name is Dr. Abby Ross, vestibular physical therapist and neuroclinical specialist, joined as always by Dr. Danny Tate, also a vestibular physical therapist. And today we have a guest that goes by the name of Kimberly Warner coming to us out of Oregon. She has a story to tell that I think will be very relatable to other patients out there who are looking for help. Where do you find the answers? Where do you go to when you feel like you've hit a dead end? Kimberly is here to talk us through it all. So welcome, Kimberly. Hi. So nice to be with you guys. Thank you for having me. Thank you for if joining. I, if I bob back and forth with my headphones on here, you'll just start to, you know, join me on my boat ride. Okay, so. Ah, <laughs> uh, the sim. Sorry, go ahead, Abby. I was just saying, are you symptomatic now, Kimberly? I'm symptomatic twenty four seven. I've been symptomatic for six years now. It started intermittently uh, February of 2015 and then by May of 2015 it was constant and other than a few magical days uh, that I can probably count on maybe two hands now um, I've been symptomatic 24 7 for six years now so right now it's about I remember four foot seas it's never spinning it's always bobbing rocking swaying um, floor drops out. When things get, when the episodes get stronger, I have a lot more of the, the floor dropping out. Um, but right now it's just, uh, we're, we're on a boat together. And is there anything that you can link to what's creating or aggravating your symptoms, increasing or decreasing, or is it kind of completely out of your control? Uh, it felt completely out of my control for a really long time. As time goes on, I really definitely can attribute it to stress, anxiety, and, and poor sleep. Um, that being said, I've also had really bad days when I've been stress-free, when I've had really good sleep. So it, that's not a tried or true thing, but I do know that I can be aggravated by stress and anxiety. Um, I would say those are my, my most long-lasting triggers. Early on, the triggers were sounds, visual stimuli, fast edits. I'm a filmmaker and suddenly I couldn't, you know, look at the computer screen anymore. Scrolling on my phone, um, all sorts of not so complicated, you know, for the average person, but complicated visual stimuli for me was just sickening. Um, that's gotten better. So I still wear sunglasses when I watch movies at night with my husband. <laughs> um, and I still close my eyes when there's scenes of, you know, celebrities with flash cameras and all of that still just is a bit nauseating. Um, but it's gotten so much better that I can function. I can work um, with adaptations. Okay. So it sounds like it's been a pretty long journey. When these symptoms first came on, kind of um, take us to the beginning. When did these come on? What did you do? What was your first step in your journey? <laughs> well, I had been in 2014, I had been in a bicycle accident. I was doored, as they call it. Um, and I broke my pelvis and cracked my helmet. Didn't 
lose consciousness. I didn't think I did, um, but it was a long period of recovery. I was on bed rest and, and didn't exhibit any um, dizzy symptoms during that period. But let's see, it was about three months after I finished bed rest, I had my first episode. And it actually was a syncope episode mm-hmm. um, where I just always, I was having lunch and all of a sudden I just went green and I passed out. Um, and shortly thereafter, I experienced the first dizzy symptom and I thought I was passing out again is what the sense I'd never had a sensation like that before in my life. So I was driving <laughs> and I just hurt, pulled my car over and I kind of put my hand on my chest and I thought, oh, I'm about to pass out. But it, I didn't. And this, this, the sensation went away. So I continued on to work. And um, for the rest of that day, though, I think my heart rate was elevated. And I remember sticking my head between my feet a lot <laughs> when I could, because I still was afraid I was passing out again. Um, and then about a month later, I was sitting having dinner on a job and the same sensation came back where it was like, like almost like a flip, like, whoa, just this strong sensation. Same thing, I put my hands on the table, put, went to the bathroom when I could, put my head between my feet and I thought, this is, I'm not passing out, what is going on here? So um, I had about three or four of those and I think around the third one, I went, I was currently seeing a, or was seeing a naturopath at the time and I went to her and she started looking at as, well, either you had, these are post-concussive, um, this is sort of a post-concussion syndrome thing. I don't know why it's delayed, but let's look into that. Perhaps you had a neck injury from the bicycle accident. So let's look into that. Let's do blood work. Um, I was diagnosed with autoimmune Graves disease when I was 21. So she thought perhaps it was an inflammatory thing. So we went through all of those. She also sent me to a chiropractor. He cracked my neck and I had the worst night of my life, literally um, like nightmare symptoms after that. Um, And then that's when I started to have the symptoms all the time. Well, it was half of a day for maybe a couple of weeks. And then May 5th, I believe was the day where I woke up and it never went away. Um, And that's when I called Dr. Brown, the dizzy doctor, the neurologist of Portland, Oregon, who's no longer practicing, he's retired, but it took me four months to get into him. So Mm -hmm. I was waiting, 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 crossing my fingers, really chasing every single possibility Um, convinced that there was an answer to the problem. And and everyone I saw was also convinced that they had an answer. (laughs) The eye doctor said it was my eyes. The ear doctor said it was my ears. Um, The psychiatrist said it was trauma. You know, I mean, (laughs) that that game. Um, And I believe it was August of that year that I finally saw the neurologist and he ran two days of vestibular labs and I passed every single one of those labs. And I don't know if I was a dancer for 15 years. I made, I have a really good balance. So even on my worst days, no one can tell that I am falling over inside. Um, And I, I took all those tests 
he was convinced that he was going to have some answers. But after he saw those tests, he shrugged his shoulders and he literally said, um, well, the body heals itself and doctors take the credit for it. Mm. <laughs> now, this and was in 2014? This was in, no, sorry, this was 2015. The bicycle accident was in 2014. So the recovery from that took me through the end of that year. And then the dizzy symptoms started in 2015. Okay. So 24 seven dizzy, May of 2015. August of 2015 was when I finally got into the neurologist. He eventually decided it was cervicogenic. Um, and he sent me to Debbie Dressler, who's a ma an amazing uh, vestibular PT at the hospital here. And um, she was the first one that, cause she was, she was just doing neck PT on me. She wasn't doing any vestibular because I passed all those tests mm -hmm. and I got worse and worse and worse and worse. And every time I saw her, I was worse. I think we did 12 sessions together and it was probably about midway through that she kind of shook her head and she said, it seems like you have this condition called MDDS. Um, but she said, I, I don't think that's possible because you weren't on a boat when you when you first got this. And she might have been going from some old school literature on MDDS and hadn't updated it yet because it, from what I understand that there are some spontaneous MDDS cases. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I just tossed it away. I thought, well, yeah, I agree. Those symptoms, that's exactly what I have going on here. <laughs> but nobody's confirming it for me. So I just, I fell into incredible isolation and depression and hopelessness. Um, after, you know, those appointments with, with Debbie, I moved to in with my mother. I moved from Oregon to Colorado. I was unable to take care of myself. Um, I was still convinced that I could find the answer. And I spent seven months with my mom going to every single specialist she could find for me including um, someone in Chicago. I mean, we, we were trying everything. And I just, it, it never, it, I went back to Colorado, or to Oregon after seven months of that, just as bad as I was when I got on the plane um, to go there. And that's when I finally said, I, I have to stop. I have to stop trying to find an answer. Um, it's not coming to me. And I was <laughs> broke, I wasn't working, I was miserable. I, I didn't know what else to do. Um, and short of like joining some sort of prayer circle, <laughs> you know, I couldn't, I just didn't know what to do. So um, for me, that was actually part of my recovery was relaxing my nervous system enough, stopping the chase and just going, well, if this is what I'm gonna live, if this is how it's gonna feel, to be in my body for the rest of my life, I better get used to it. And I better figure out how to do that. And I didn't like that thought, but I really didn't have another option at that point, so. That's hard and everything that you've described is very similar to what a lot of people go through. And, you know, I think you had mentioned this in um, your podcast, Unfixed, that there's a lot of different overlapping symptoms that make it difficult to diagnose vestibular dysfunction. And you're absolutely right, especially in comparison to where you were back in 2014, 15, to where we are now. You know, 
now if you, if you describe your symptoms, I guarantee you everyone would have jumped at the diagnosis of 3PD or persistent postural perceptual dizziness. Um, because when you look at the describing factors, it's almost identical to MDDS. Um, and the thing that's, that comes with that is that that's a multi-layer diagnosis as well that usually comes off subsequently from a different diagnosis or an issue or a problem that gets kind of feed into by multiple different aspects. So, you know, that accident that you had could have been a jumping off point that led into the snowball effect of not moving and being bedridden for three months. So now we've got vestibular decompensation and leading into potential issues with your neck and potential migraine. There's so many rabbit holes you can go down into. It gets frustrating. And where do you go? And you're absolutely right. Every specialist has their special hammer and they're looking for their special nail. So of course, they're going to find something within their filter that they're looking into just because these types of dysfunctions take a holistic approach when it comes to our body. It's not just only the vestibular system or only the neck or only this, that, or the other thing. They all feed into one another. So, you know, I think it's kind of cool that the moment that you had a little bit of light shed on something was with your physical therapist, um, who was kind of like, I think it could be more of this. And she was still treating the neck, but looking at things vestibularly. And, you know, it's hard to get those test results back and listen to all these physicians and all these specialists tell you that you're fine when you know you're not fine. You know uh, how you feel, which can be so isolating because people don't understand you until they can go through something similar. And this isn't something that happens often and often enough. So I can see where that gets very isolating and very um, traumatic in a way. Your whole life is just upheaved and there's you feel like there's nothing you can do about it. But the thing that I love, the approach that you took was finding your new normal. This is the new normal. Where do we go from here? Um, I can't tell you how many patients that Abby and I have seen that are kind of stuck in their treatment because they think there is an answer. There is something to this. We're going to figure this out and I'm going to get fixed. Or how many times, Abby, how many times have you heard this? I just wish we had, I had cancer. I wish they, I could just get diagnosed and this was cancer. We could fix this and be done with it, um, which is really, really sad. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's a big testament to what you guys have to go through as patients and feeling unheard and isolated and lost in the healthcare system that isn't quite appropriately set up to address these type of, of symptoms and issues. It's really, really hard. I think that you've come a long way and you've done some amazing stuff with um, changing your life and accepting this new normal. Um, Abby, anything to add? I know I'm just rambling. <laughs> no, no, that was great. Uh, I just would like to say though that, you know, there is hope though, right? You don't, mm -hmm. you don't feel isolated, depressed, anxious, uh, useless, all these things every day, even though there's no magic pill that any healthcare provider could prescribe and magically your symptoms go away and whatever vestibular dysfunction or multi-layered dysfunction that's causing your symptoms just disappears. Well, we don't have that. We do have ways and strategies and interventions to help manage symptoms, whether it's lifestyle changes, dietary uh, changes, stress management techniques. As you said, you know, as soon as you started to let go a little bit, relax, take that anxiety down a notch, let your system rest, you started to feel a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Now, interestingly, though, in exchange for that, you became more isolated depressed and those things can actually increase symptoms as well. But now let's flash forward a little bit here to today. You've seen multiple providers to this point and where are we at now in terms of 
diagnosis and management? Well, that's been updated recently because as I talk about the journey of being unfixed and being, you know, it's not a journey of acceptance as much as learning to kind of live with grace with what you have. I also am not opposed to treatment. So believe me, I've been trying things all along. Um, and I, big part of that has been finding my people. And through this journey with Unfixed, I've found a lot of people that have not just vestibular disorders, but chronic illnesses and support groups. And, you, you know, through that, you actually find other treatments. And so through finding some other of my people, <laughs> um, I, I ended up finding Dr. Shinbei in Texas. And I waited and waited and waited to get on <laughs> into him. And then thanks to COVID, I, you know, I didn't have to travel to Texas to see him. So it was about a month ago that I finally got into him. And we chatted for an hour. He was a great listener. And I felt like it was hands down the first person I have talked to in six years that I felt like I, you know, he wasn't going, hmm, I've never heard this before. <laughs> and um, he said after an hour, he said, you're right, you have MDDS and you also have vestibular migraine, which I kind of suspected from, you know, all the research that we do on our own. Um, and he, he, it was such a relief to me to have the secondary diagnosis because you can do something about vestibular migraine. There actually are some helpful things that he sent me home with that day. I mean, home as in from my <laughs> Zoom meeting with him, um, that within a day or two, I was noticing something. That's That was really remarkable to me. I had never, and I, believe me, I'm the healthiest eater on the planet. And so it wasn't the dietary stuff. It wasn't the supplement stuff. It was the cephaly, to be honest. I, yeah. I've been using the cephaly device and I crave it now. <laughs> um, I mean, quite literally, I crave this little strange device that you put on your forehead. And um, that within... 20 minutes of having that on, I could feel my symptoms go down. It doesn't make them go away, but let's see, I've been using it now for probably three weeks and I've had two mornings in those three weeks that I've woken up and the bed's not been moving. And that is huge. So yes, I get out of bed and things start moving around again. But when I first have consciousness in the morning and the beds, in fact, this morning was one of them, like, nothing's moving. <laughs> I don't want to get out of bed. <laughs> now, so, yeah. just to piggyback off of your experience with Dr. Bay, I think that's such a key takeaway in this conversation today. And that's to find a clinician who listens for one and to find a clinician who's heard this story before. This is not an uncommon story. This is actually super common. You've, you've met other people with different chronic illnesses including probably some with vestibular dis disorders who have a similar story and finding a clinician who just listens to you and understands it, maybe not actually understands because they might not have had those symptoms themselves, but understands it to the extent that they know what direction to go in with you. They can calm you a little bit. It's really refreshing, I think, as a, as a patient to be on the other end of that. 
And then secondly, to be able to walk out of an appointment with a direction, I think is also very, um, oh, I, not rewarding. I don't know what word I'm looking for, but satisfying. Satisfying, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. To be able to walk away with something to hold on to, something to try out, mm -hmm. something to experiment with. And we know that a lot of these things, especially with vestibular migraine, it can be trial and error, but to be mm -hmm. able to trial something and and check in with yourself and see how, how things are changing. I mean, to have two good days in three weeks and you haven't had those days in months, years even, mm -hmm. that's great. That's really great. Yeah. What other interventions have you noticed or, or changes to your lifestyle have you implemented that have made a difference? One thing that um, we sort of came upon accidentally, um, my current physician, she tried a hydroxyzine on me and uh, she, I'm, I have been pretty drug resistant my whole life, or at least I end up having the, the paradoxical effects. Um, mm. Diazepam, you know, just makes me feel like I have an elephant sitting on my chest. Sleeping meds make me feel like I'm jacked on caffeine. Um, but I wasn't opposed to trying something, you know, if I believe me, if I had a pill that could just cut through the anxiety, and um, earlier last year, there was some stressful family events going on. And she said, you, you need to have an arsenal. You need to have something, which I should have had in hindsight during that first two years, because I've, I have had one of my physicians said they think I was having a protracted panic attack, like one of those that just never ends. <laughs> and I should have been sedated. I mean, and I, I say that in a you know joking matter but I actually truly think I I needed my nervous system to reset and I was not getting the reset um so I praise the gods of hydroxyzine because it's the first medicine that is so mild to my system and it has almost an immediate effect I mean immediate like within an hour and a half about and I sleep like a baby I wake up rested and usually my symptoms are a lot less the next day. So we were thinking I would just take it as needed. And then she's like, well, if you're having such good results from this, why don't you try taking it every other day? Or um, it has a half-life of four days. So she was thinking every four days. Um, so we did that and then we did it every other day. And I started to build a tolerance to it. So I wasn't having as an amazing results from it when I was doing it more regularly. But now I do it as as needed. And boy, it it saves me big time. <laughs> so that's an, just a little I don't know if you do drug interventions on this show, but that's my <laughs> That's my drug intervention. <laughs> well, I think I think a multidisciplinary approach is really key with um, vestibular patients, especially because it's very rare that we just have one thing going on, and it's not like physical therapists come in and save the world when it comes to vestibular dysfunction. A lot of times, we do need medical management. We do need alternative medicine management, and a lot of times, it's all encompassing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, I have a lot of patients who are very drug resistant. Um, but when it comes to vestibular migraine, and their doctors make a recommendation, they immediately Google the side effects and they swear it off. And sometimes it it can help. Yeah. You know, drugs can be a uh, uh, 
a very important part to treatment in order to get your symptoms under control. It's something similar to, um, this is more of like a physical therapy reference, but getting a cortisone injection in your painful shoulder, mm-hmm. right? So you can, you can get the cortisone injection, it takes the pain away, but then you have to still do the work in the physical therapy in order to strengthen the shoulder, get the shoulder to be back to normal again. Same thing with the drugs. If you can't go through therapy, if you can't go additional um, interventions, and you need something to pull you back down to a level that you can tolerate all this other, uh, all these other approaches, like that is helpful. You mm-hmm. might not need to be on it forever, but you're going to figure out what works for you and then figure things out as your symptoms progress. So I think Absolutely. that's a really good message. Yeah. And I needed that message for sure. I did three years ago. I needed someone to say, this isn't really important part of your emergency kit and it's okay. You know, like, please don't, buy peppermint tea to solve this problem. Like you really need to, I needed something that was going to just cut through that deep, deep anxiety. Um, Something else that's really practical that I've learned that's helpful for me and maybe for part of the population are, are compression tights. I tend towards hypermobility. So already with the heightened anxiety with the symptoms, but then the standing up, the upright standing in line, I tend to have a little bit of the postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. So whenever I can give my body that extra little boost of like, yay, blood's blood's getting to the brain, you can stop pumping so much adrenaline into the body. (laughs) Um, That has really, really been helpful for me. And I also lay on my back a lot with my feet up the wall. I probably do that three or four times a day. Those are just simple ways to kind of get my cortisol levels back. And, and they are all part of the holistic, you know, approach. Um, I have the psychological pieces too, that I work with as well, that are more about just trusting and letting go and opening to the experience. I call it TLO. Um, And when I notice I'm my shoulders are tightening or I'm in a, a loud space or there's too many people. I, I just, I, tr- I do this little mantra of TLO, trust, let go and open to the experience. And that helps me a lot. That's great. Now I, I want to mention, and Danny, you touched on it a little bit just now that what works for Kimberly may not be what works for you as a listener. Yeah. It's really important to go on the journey yourself with your healthcare providers and figure out what's best for you, what does work, what doesn't work, what's somewhere in the middle, et cetera. And also, um, speaking of a different type of compression, I had a patient the other day who told me one of the things that really helps her calm down when she's feeling increased stress or anxiety is to literally hug herself feel that embrace on herself. And I thought, you know, I've never told a patient to do that, but I might start. (laughs) Oh, and gravity blankets. I don't know if you guys are fans of those, but those Mm -hmm. help a lot. I mean, I would, in those first couple of years when I would, if I had to travel, I would often have someone lay themselves on my body after getting off of that airplane. Cause you just, it's like, I can't find gravity here. And having that weight is really helpful. So now there's, gravity blankets and and they're amazing. 
I actually had a patient who um, we've come really far in her vestibular treatment and walking and moving around was a thing that she needed to get better with orienting herself in space with. And she loves putting ankle weights on her ankles. It makes her mm. feel grounded. It increases somatosensory input to her joints and makes her feel glued to the ground. So she feels a little more confident. So she does yep. a lot of her vestibular work at home wearing ankle weights. So there's definitely something to be said about that. I've done that as well. I, I love them. I, I get lazy and I don't do it because it's just, you know, just dragging my feet around the house. But I have done that. And it, especially on the days when the floor is bobbing underneath mm -hmm. me, it's really nice to feel glued to something. Yeah. And another, another uh, tactic we use is grounding where you place multiple points of your body on something stable, for example, your hand along a wall or something vertical so that you feel that sensation of yes. grounding, really. That's the word that I'm, I'm looking for, grounding. <laughs> um, so what, what words of advice would you have for someone listening who's really struggling to find a healthcare provider who is in the vestibular world, has heard these symptoms before, has been down this road before, what would you tell that patient? Where should they look? How could they, how could they find who they're looking for? Well, I didn't know um, when I first was seeing Dr. Brown that VEDA was right around the corner. <laughs> you know, and, and VEDA is Vestibular Association of America, and or maybe that's the wrong acronym, but they are huge and they are an incredible resource. And I didn't know they existed until about a year ago. Um, mm -hmm. So I would start there. That would be my resource because there are so much information we there. Wholeheartedly agree. Both Abby and I <laughs> do a lot of work with VEDA. Um, it's the Vestibular Disorders Association. Anybody listening can find them at vestibular.org. And you're right. I mean, the amount of resources they have on their website is vast. Vast, vast, I mean, more than you can even imagine. Um, it is a treasure trove of resources, mm -hmm. including a provider directory. Yeah. So... Um, you know, people can, who are interested and specialize in uh, vestibular therapy can become a professional member of VITA as well as get their name listed on the provider directory where you can search based on city or zip code and it'll pump out a bunch of people who are in the area um, that you can thoroughly vet yourself as well. Um, call ahead and make sure the, the listings um, seem appropriate for you and your symptoms, but they're great not only for the provider directory, but also medical articles, um, information where you can get support groups uh, or find support groups, talk to people. Um, there's also patient forums where you can post questions about your vestibular dysfunction and have um, people of part of the professional uh, community respond to that as well as other patients. Um, you'll find links to other Facebook groups and support groups. I mean, it's just, it's just yeah. endless. It's insane. And that's a huge part of it. It's just finding your people and whether that's through Facebook or Instagram or VEDA and their support groups, um, you, you will not only feel a sense of solidarity, <laughs> a deep relief um, in knowing that the other people are experiencing exactly what you're experiencing, but you will also have all the other resources and, you know, provider directory, like you said, we just um, started, and this is coming out this year, but we're gonna do a, a mini series, a docu-series with VEDA. Oh. So it's um, gonna be released, the first of the six videos will be released in August. And for me, I mean, this is exciting. We're, I'm, 
unfixed is producing it, but I'm getting to start to meet these people and have conversations with them. And even though it's been six years for me, I'm still very much a beginner in this lifelong journey. And so to get to learn from each other um, is really profound. And anybody, I'm not saying you have to make a film to do that. You, you <laughs> can like find these people on Instagram and it's just, it's it's necess it's absolutely necessary when you have a condition that makes you feel so isolated. So that would be, and then the third thing I would recommend is, I, and I wish every provider did this. I wish every neurologist who said, I don't know what's going on with you, but I can send you to a mental health counselor who specializes in chronic illness. They don't have to specialize in vestibular disorders, just chronic illness. I mean, I think when you have something that changes your life, every moment of every day, you need to have a mental health counselor. You need to have somebody there that is going to help you navigate the grief, the all the emotions that come with the losses that you're experiencing, um, help you find some sense of um, control through it all and some sense of purpose through it all. That That isn't something that your physician needs to provide for you, but they certainly should be able to send you to um, a chronic illness mental health counselor. And I didn't have that and it would have saved my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of stigma that people are very um, apprehensive about with that. And, or some people take offense to it and say, can you believe my doctor wants me to go see somebody? They think it's all in my head, but I do reinforce the fact that there's a lot of research out there that shows, you know, combination therapies with something like cognitive behavioral therapy or just talking to a mental health professional will help enhance your treatment, will help you uh, down the path a little bit further. You know, it's a lot to take on. And, you know, it is very debilitating. Yes, there are people out there who might be worse than you, but it doesn't detract from what you're experiencing now as a person. Um, so I wholeheartedly support that as well. I um, know mental health resources are extremely, extremely important for recovery. Yeah. And not to mention, in the event you might talk to a friend or a parent or a spouse about something that's troubling you, these types of symptoms and disorders are not something that others really understand necessarily. They might not have even heard of their vestibular system. And here you are explaining to them that you feel like you're on four foot waves constantly. It can be hard to relate, especially when you think about the, the broad term invisible illness. You know, you said yourself, your balance is great. Your testing was great, but something is not right. And only you can feel that. Mm -hmm. So talking to someone who, who, Again, kind of the theme throughout this talk today, talking to a healthcare professional who has experience with these types of stories. I, I, I agree with you. I think it's really important. Um, question for you, Kimberly. In regard to the filmmaking in which the, I forgot what you called it, fast film maybe, something like that. Fast edits, fast cuts, fast edits. edits. Mm -hmm. With the visual stimulation that was problematic but has improved, what have you done that has helped to improve that? The, um, it's a good question. I would say the main intervention is that I don't use fast cuts anymore. <laughs> if I'm totally honest. Um, 
I also shut my eyes when I'm watching a movie and there's some, you know, a strange frame rate. Um, they call it the Saving Private Ryan, Ryan frame rate where it's really jerky. I close my eyes. Um, so that is <laughs> avoidance is my main intervention for there. Um, but I do, I have my glasses here. These are the migraine glasses. I don't know if they help, to be honest, but I wear them a lot. Um, and while, while I'm working on this computer screen, I take a lot more breaks. Um, I will not sit in front of the computer for more than an hour. I don't set my time on my phone like some people do, but I know when it's time to get up and or lay down and put my feet up the wall. Um, I take a lot more breaks. Um, I have my brightness on my screen way down. I shrink even our conversation now. <laughs> I'm looking at a really small screen on my <laughs> computer. Um, I shrink things down so they're not too overwhelming visually. Um, and I think those are the main elements. If the brightness is down and if there are the fast cuts, I don't know how to deal with those fast cuts. I think I just close my eyes. I'm going to add one. I'm gonna add one thing to your list that you may or may not have realized that you've done, but maybe a little bit of habituation. Mm. Even though you avoid, you still have some exposure. And yes. with the exposure, you can desensitize a little bit. Yes, yes. In fact, I wrote that in my notes here, the, finding the little yeses. So for mm -hmm. about three years, I was saying no, 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 no to everything. And when I finally started saying yes to just, okay, I'm going to try this. And mm -hmm. I, and sometimes I, I felt terrible for the next day or, okay, I'm going to go out with a friend and I rolling my eyes on the way home going, why did I do that to myself? But every time I did one of those, it built a little bit of strength in me. And you're right. Those, those incrementally build up. And there's something in my brain that's starting to habituate to these experiences and, and gain confidence that it's okay. Yeah, I felt terrible through that whole event, but I did it and I didn't mm -hmm. die. And for my brain to understand that has, is really, really helpful. It mirrors what uh, another guest we had on, Sarah, she mm -hmm to find the find a win in every day it can be the smallest win it can be I think her example was taking the jar off a can of peanut butter and having no one have touched that jar of peanut butter yet so it's smooth on the top that's a small finding the little finding the yeses finding the the little mm. things in each day that carry you on and carry you forward and you can build upon mm -hmm. yeah oh, I like it Amazing, you had so much to offer us today as far as uh, tips for other patients and um, sharing your story I think was largely important because so many people feel alone out there. And I know I want you to plug a couple of the stuff that you have going on because there are a lot of things that you've put together that have helped people feel um, all encompassed as well. Like they've been heard and understood. So why don't you talk a little bit about where people can find some of your projects like Unfixed and uh, talk yeah. on the podcast and YouTube. Thank you. Um, this is that's such a fun conversation. You guys are doing incredible work. I wish I lived near you both so I could, <laughs> so you could treat me. <laughs> um, I, so I started Unfixed 
in 2019 because I was just trying to find people that were struggling with chronic illnesses. And I stopped trying to look for answers. So I needed people that were learning to live well with what they had. And and it snowballed into a documentary project and then the pandemic hit and I couldn't film them anymore. So we created that into a docu-series and then the pandemic continued. And so we spun that into a podcast. So it all can be found on unfixedmedia.com. And the projects are evolving right now. There's, like I said, there's the project with Veda. Um, we're doing a docu-series this year. The other docu-series is continuing and the podcast season is still going right now and we'll be starting a new one this fall. Um, so yeah, unfixedmedia.com has everything and that links to the YouTube channel where you can watch all the videos and that's, that's the hub. Perfect. We'll be sure to include that in our show notes too, so that all of okay. you um, can find that as well as links to Vita and the resources they have there. Um, and thank you so much for coming on today. We've really, really had a great time and appreciated everything you've had to offer us. Yay. I'm so glad. Thank you guys. I really appreciate you. Thank you, Kimberly. And thank you all for tuning in until next time. Good night. If you're interested in finding us on social media or the web, you can visit www.vestibular.today for more resources, including testing, treatment, and educational videos, blogs, continuing education classes, and resources including clinic equipment recommendations, suggested tests, and BPMBV treatment charts. Search Vestibular Today and Balancing Act Rehab on all social media platforms, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Also, be sure to check out Balancing Act Rehab at www.balancingactrehab.com, especially if you think you would benefit from vestibular therapy. We are your girls. The information on this podcast is not intended to replace the care provided by your qualified health professional or to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on Talk Dizzy to Me. Please contact us at Balancing Act Rehab if you think you could benefit from vestibular therapy.